show, we have Archbishop Thomas Ellickson in the studio with us. Uh, he is going to come in and talk about minimizing sin, something we all do. Why do we do it? How can we stop doing it? Um, yeah, it's a great conversation. And, and Archbishop Gullickson is so fun to talk to. We did another interview for him, which we'll play later, and he, we couldn't even get him to stop talking. So <laughs> we had to we had to cut him off and play it later, which was terrible to have to cut off a bishop. But <laughs> on this one, he did he did just fine with time. He left plenty of time for Doctor Burgle. Plenty of time. Plenty of time, for... so we can get some baby goodbyes with Doctor because we didn't have any last week. Oh, I know. You know, because you I were mean, gone. I heard that the the listeners were calling in and just. I don't think anyone noticed. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did notice, I'm sure, um, but I didn't hear anything. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, Renee, what's today the beginning of? You, you tricked me. Okay, so I'll, I'll, what's today? Today's the fifth Sunday. Yes, of it my... is. You looked it up. So it is. Well, I I was thinking I knew, but I had to. Double check. Yeah. Um, let's see. What could it be? Well, it's not Holy Week. It's the week before Palm Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so many churches, something. Oh, I know. They cover everything yeah. in the. Yeah. And this is the, the, the traditional name for this period is Passion Tide. So as we're moving towards Palm Sunday and Holy Week, um, yeah, statues and images get covered. So if you're happening to happen to be listening to this a bit early when you go to mass, it might be in fact the case that uh, do, they, do they cover it for this mass on the fifth Sunday? Yeah. Do they? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you need any photo, if you need any photos in the cathedral in the next couple of days, <coughs> get it now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we're reading Passion Tide, um, moving towards the um, the end here of Lent, and obviously towards the Triduum and Easter. Um, I want to talk about the first Sunday, uh, first reading for Mass this Sunday, the fifth Sunday of Lent. It's from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, and it's a relatively short reading, so I just want to read it a little bit quickly, but clearly while I'm reading it quickly. Okay. Thus says the Lord God, O my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and have you rise from them. O my people, I will put my spirit in you that you may live, and I will settle you upon your land. Thus you shall know that I am the Lord. I have promised and I will do it, says the Lord. Um, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So um, short reading there from Ezekiel 37, 12 through 14. The gospel is the raising of Lazarus. Oh. So you can start, we always talk about the thematic connection between mm-hmm. the first reading of the psalm and the gospel. So you can see that. But I want to talk specifically about Ezekiel and what he's referring to. So, Renee, what, if anything, um, do you know about Ezekiel? He was a prophet. Yep. Good. <laughs> Check. Uh, Where, when, anything like that? This is after Elijah, right? Yep. Um, somewhere in the Holy Land. <laughs> Actually not. Oh. Well, kind of. Yes and no. Okay. So Ezekiel prophesied um, before and then before the fall and destruction of Jerusalem. Okay. So quick. Where's our map? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Casey, get on that. Um, quick history lesson. So 586 BC, the kingdom of Judah with Jerusalem as its capital 
is conquered um, and uh, Jerusalem is besieged and destroyed by the Babylonians and the the Jews are taken into exile in to, to Babylon. Okay, uh, this is horrific. I mean, God has uh, had always dwelt with His people. Um, literally, He dwelt in the temple. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah warned. Uh, this is earlier, before this time, before this happened. Well, just not too long before Ezekiel. Actually, Jeremiah's like, "Okay, people, quit it, quit it." It's, it's bad what stuff's the, gonna that's, happen. That's a, yeah, it's, it, it's gonna be bad if you don't. People are like, "No, the Lord's gonna be with us." So the people presumed upon the Lord, and he's like, "No, it's not gonna work out well if you guys don't stop what you're doing." They didn't stop what they were doing, um, and so Jerusalem is destroyed. By the way, um, Jeremiah is the one who took the Ark of the Covenant out of the temple before right. uh, the Babylonians came along and destroyed it all. And he's the one who buried it in the Well of Souls in the okay. desert in Egypt. In, uh, as we know Indy from the great it. documentary. Yes. <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones. The, the temple of uh, or so, no, no. The, yeah. Anyway, so Ezekiel <laughs> is sort of next. And he, so when we read... So they're they're deported to in exile. They're hundreds of miles from home, living in Babylon. So when the Lord has like you say, I open your graves and have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. Um, a little bit later, I will settle you settle you upon your land. This is because they're in, in a foreign territory. Right. They're hundreds of miles from not in the land that had been promised to them and their ancestors. The land that they had presumed upon the Lord's promise, they realized not a good idea to do that. But the Lord is saying through Ezekiel, I will bring you back. Yes, it's bad now. Yes, you're, you're far from home, but I will restore you to the land that I promised you. And this is reminding us how Jesus will restore us as well. Thank goodness, because I think we kind of need Amen. <laughs> Thanks, sir. You bet. I have back in the studio with me today, Archbishop Thomas Felixson. Welcome, Archbishop. Thank you, Renee. Thank you for uh, staying with us for another episode. Mm -hmm. I have no idea when these two episodes that we've recorded with you are going to air. It'll be sometime probably in the next month or so, mm -hmm. during Lent, certainly. Um, and the topic we're going to talk about today definitely applies in Lent. It applies all the time, but it's a good one to talk about during Lent, I think. Uh, and the reason I asked you to come and talk about it is because you did a homily on it. So you mm -hmm. kind of got, you brought this on yourself. Well, <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment, Renee. <laughs> you are, you are. We're good. <laughs> so we're going to talk about um, how we tend to minimize our sin mm -hmm. and therefore minimize repentance. Mm -hmm. Um We'll talk about what that does to us and why we do it okay. and how we can maybe not do it if that's, mm -hmm. if it's possible. I think it's possible. Okay. All right. So if you will start, uh, we all obviously do this to some mm -hmm. degree. Um, can you tell us what, uh, what is meant by minimizing sin? Okay. Um, it's, it's playing down the gravity or the seriousness of our sins and, one of the reasons that I provoked this with my homily is, is that on the first Sunday of Lent, you, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta make a choice in terms of what you're going to talk about. Right. And because the first reading, you know, from Genesis is the one about Adam and Eve and their fall, you know, their original fall from grace. One of the things that in that story 
on that account and in the teaching which is there in Genesis 4, as in which the church proposes to us, is this whole di- idea of our not accepting responsibility, one, for the things which we do wrong or fail to do, and two, sometimes for the gravity of them. Mm-hmm. And the gravity part of it, you know, that um, that we just don't take our sins seriously enough that we minimize them right. um, is something that comes through very clearly. And in the homily I quoted, you know, the serpent's voice that says, did God really say that to mm-hmm. you? And, and that's where we're at with that. Yeah. And it's... Um, in terms of human psychology, it's kind of interesting to know that it's not just something of our day and time. It's something like forever since right. the very beginning. Right. Well, um, Adam did it right in the garden. Yeah. The woman made me. The woman gave it to me, so I ate it. Yeah. It's like putting off the responsibility on well, her. Well, that too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But but the the issue or the problem with that, um, well, there are a lot of different issues and problems, but 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 one of them is is that. You know, it's it's easier to talk about something like that because it's something that impacts me personally, uh, and in terms of the way that I do my Lent and practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could talk about the fact that that there are a lot of things that have gone wrong in our day and time that people are not as sensitive to these issues, right. or that it's a secular world and there's all these kinds of things. But some things are timeless, and one of those is our uh, failing to assume responsibility for what mm-hmm. we do wrong or fail to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I see what you're saying is that a lot of us sometimes will will blame our society for that. Well, I didn't know. I think deep down, most of us really do know mm. when, when we're sinning, yeah. when we're doing something yeah. wrong. So, um, okay. So what are some ways that you have seen people minimize sin? Are there specifics? Well, you know, for... Forever in a day, I can remember even before I was ordained a priest, they tell you in seminary about the classic confessional line of the guy that comes in for either in Italian, they used to tell about this especially over in Italy, comes in for either for Christmas or for Easter. And he says, you know, he says, Father, I don't know why I'm in here. He says, I can't, I don't have any time to do anything wrong. I, I you know, <laughs> I behave and this, all this kind of thing. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't done this or that. And they, they more or less say what they haven't done, but they don't say what they have done. Sure. And, of course, even, you know, lots of times in nursing homes, you'll go in or or in retirement homes, and you'll go in, say, would you like to have confession today before communion? Mm-hmm. I say, oh, Father, I never have any time to do anything wrong, you know. <laughs> I'm just sitting here in the I'm nursing home. What here, can I possibly You know, I can't wrong? misbehave. <laughs> and so, I, so they, these are tendencies, you know, that are there. Sure. In some way or another, it's it's a lack of of reflection on, you know, uh, they, and somewhere or another, they, they don't really think about, you know, the fact that they maybe gave a little bit of a snap alongside the head to that orderly that was coming in to, you know, help them get in or out of bed or, or that they shouted at somebody and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things that, that, and that they have responsibility for those kinds of things. Right. We're talking maybe not about sins, but certainly about faults and failings. Right. Right. Why do we do this? Why do we minimize our sin? Do you think? Is well, it a pride? Is this a is this like a pride thing ultimately? Or yes, other, ma'am. Other, yes, yes, it is. It's pride. <laughs> Everything is, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, but I mean, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of capital sins, I yes. mean, this is the root of an awful lot of this stuff. Is yes. our pride? We just don't want to admit that we failed or that we haven't been equal to the challenge. Yeah. Or if something happens that is really as bad as it is uh, in terms of like mortal sins and things, you know, well, how could I ever do anything that bad? Right. You know. Right. Um, 
where it hurts us because, well, it hurts our pride. Right, right. Um, okay. So this was a, a question I posed to you because mm. I, I think that mm. this is a, an important question. When we hear that reading from Genesis mm-hmm. and we hear about uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, we're like, how could you be so stupid? Like mm-hmm. God told you not to eat that piece of yeah. fruit. Just the, It's the one tree. Would we have done that if we were there? Of course we would have. Um, and, in, and of course we wouldn't have, we probably wouldn't have had all of the advantages in terms of preternatural gifts as we learned oh. in catechism that they had, but they did it even so. Right. Um, and it's as, as we look at that reality that we understand really um, what sin is all about. And it's, uh, we would not have fared. I mean, we may not have hesitated as long as, we don't know how long she hesitated. Right. She would have been like, yeah, give it to me. Or she, may have, <laughs> she may have thought about it. She may have thought yeah. about it. And so, but we don't know that. So, right. you know, but it's, no, it's, it was, it's not as, as though they were doomed to sin, to fall from grace. But by the same token, we can't say that we would have been any better if right. we had had the chance. Right. So we're basically always kind of building our arguments for why we did something. Well, we can, um, and that can be a thing. But I think uh, from my years of experience with confession and things, I, I think the bigger thing is is not so much that we we try to work out a justification mm-hmm. for our shortcomings and failings, is, is we, we just can't bear to face them. Oh, okay. I think that's more to it. And that's also pride. Um, yeah. You know, if you have um, somebody who has a difficulty with habitual, of some kind of habitual sin mm-hmm. uh, of one kind or another, um, basically speaking, you know, they probably cry their eyes out over this thing and, and, and so on and so forth. And they get to a certain point where there's a, there's a kind of a, of a, maybe not so quiet desperation, which kind of creeps in. Right. And, um, and the reaction ultimately speaking is just to say, well, it can't be that I can, you know, that I'm, I'm going to be held responsible for these things. You know, in some way or another, I'm not responsible. You know, we, right. we rebel against assuming responsibility and changing our lives. Yeah. You know, we the the basic thing: turn away from sin and be faithful to the gospel on Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's hard, yeah. and it's something that we don't really want to face up to always. Right. Do you think some of that is um, a fear of punishment, or is it a uh, sorrow of hurting our Lord, or maybe both? Well, yes. Um, some of it is is that we just. We just don't, either we don't want to be held responsible Mm -hmm. or, you know, sometimes because um, an awful lot of the things that we do wrong, uh, we we dump them on top of those who are nearest and dearest to us. yes. (laughs) And we do that in some way or another, again, pride, um, you know, not wanting to admit that we're taking advantage of the people we love the most. Mm-hmm. I had, I had one nuncio as a boss, uh, whom I can truly say, he did not have party manners. He was better at home than he was in public. Sure, he'd get out in public and people would get nervous. You know, he was a big boss and all this kind of stuff, and he'd dot their eyes and cross their t's. But when he was home with us, he was really good. Uh-huh. But that's that's sort of counterintuitive. Most right. of us 
we dump it on our husbands or wives or our children or our parents, you know, whatever the relationship is within the family context. And they're the ones that have to pay for it because right. they're the ones that are closest to us. And so we just lean hard on them. Right, right. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, if you just joined us, we're talking to Archbishop Thomas Gullickson about minimizing sin and about repentance. So um, what does this action, this type of attitude, what does this do to our relationship with Jesus? Um, well, you know, it, people can get kind of spooky and, and scrupulous about some of this kind of stuff. And, and in doing so, they sell him short lots of times in terms of his mercy. One of the neatest things, and I, I kind of alluded to it, although not in any great detail in the homily, mm-hmm. is um, St. John Fisher, who was a bishop um, at the time of the Reformation in England. He's the only English bishop who resisted King Henry, mm-hmm. and he lost his head for it, you know. Right. He was a martyr. And he has a, he has a marvelous um, book, which is a collection of homilies that he was asked by some people to do, on the seven penitential psalms. Oh, mm-hmm. And one of the threads that kind of runs through all of those homilies and, and talks that he gave is that of, um, you know, how do we free ourselves of sin? Right. And he says there are three things. The one is contrition. And he says that's a private thing that's in our heart, mm-hmm. that we are really, truly, and sorry for having offended God mm-hmm. and our neighbor. And then the, the second thing is confession. He says if you were guilty of something serious— you got to go to confession, mm-hmm. and you got to tell the priest what it is that you did wrong, and do it properly and adequately and completely, and um, and and seek forgiveness in the sacrament of penance. And then the third thing is is that all three of these things sort of work like he used the example of parchment, which okay. in those days um, you um, lots of times because it was such a valuable uh, oh, commodity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would take and you would scrape and you would scrub a piece of parchment clean and use it again. Oh, sure, yeah. And so he said either the parchment or he used, in some of them he talks about a tablet. That that third scrub is what we call satisfaction. Okay. And that's where we're really earnest and in some way or another we make reparation for our sins. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Lent, the classic three are um, prayer, penance, and almsgiving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, Mm -hmm. or penance, and almsgiving. And... uh, it's those things that clean us up to such a point that if we do it right, we don't have to go to purgatory. We can go straight to the right. vision of our Lord in, in heaven when we're right. there. Or through our prayers, we can help free you know, people we love or other people that we know are in need from mm-hmm. the, the pains of purgatory, Get that, help them get that scrubbing in. And right. it's, we do it basically through prayer, but also through, um, through penance or, or through almsgiving. Right. So if we don't, if we are minimizing our sin and don't bring that to Jesus, we're actually kind of minimizing Jesus's sacrifice for us in a way. Is that right? Yes, but beyond that, we're not really recognizing His profound love for us. Oh, this sure. is, you know, um, John Fisher to finish with that. He said God is always the same in all these kinds of things, and he says, he says He's like a sunbeam. Mm-hmm. A sunbeam bothers the sick eye, but the healthy eye it does not bother. Oh. Hmm. You know, okay. so in other words, our perception sometimes of God can be negative, but the problem is on our side. It's not on His. He's right. constant. Right. And so uh, Fisher was very much one to say that uh, the Lord is waiting for us to do our part um, 
to clear the way for him. Sure. And he's always ready as a sunbeam. Sure. Yeah. I like yeah. that. He, he is a sunbeam. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sometimes we commit a lesser sin mm. instead of a major sin. Mm. Um, <clears throat> for instance, we might get mad at someone about something, yeah. but we didn't kill him. We didn't murder no, them. No, no. So, um, and then we think we're okay because we didn't do the major sin. Yeah. So how does this change our view of sin? Like, does this really mess with how we view sin and how we view when we should go to confession? Well, you know, there was always the, one of the catechism lessons I think we had as children was always that um, we should never sell venial sh- sin, lesser right. sin short for the kind of harm or the kind of poison that it is in terms of our life and in our attitude. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like, you know, we're not going all the way to loose morals, but the kind of casual sorts of attitudes that people have um, toward certain things, um, they they tend to desensitize our, us um, to other people and, right. and to our responsibilities. Yeah. So, you know, to the extent that at home, for instance, we take for other people for granted, uh, in some way or another, we put ourselves on a bad path that can lead to worse. Yes, yes, uh, for sure. So we know we do this. Uh, <laughs> Is there a way that we can change our mindset mm. and and stop minimizing our sin? I mean, I'm sure we're always going to do it to an extent, but yeah. how do we how do we work <clears throat> against that? Okay. I, th- I really think that a part of the problem is, is that a lot of us live unconscious. Oh, yes. <laughs> In other words, if we did some of those basic little things, like, you know, if at bedtime um, we do that, it doesn't have to be very long, that examination of conscience mm-hmm. and say, how did the day go? What did I do wrong or what did I fail to do mm-hmm. today? If we would live let's say more consciously in terms of our duties of our state in life. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you know, the, the, especially as adults, you know, especially as spouses, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, husband and wife, you know, maybe you go to bed at different times, but you kneel down by that bed and take that little quiet time to look and see, well, how did I do today? You know, in, in terms of those things. And then, uh, uh, and then ask the Lord's forgiveness, make your act of contrition. And, to the extent that you live more consciously um, of your of the duties of your state in life, um, you may find yourself drawn to a more frequent practice of the sacrament of penance. Right. Now, we know that our obligation to penance is for grave sin, mm-hmm. for mortal sin. Right. Right. Uh, and in any case, if we never commit a mortal sin, that we should go once a year in preparation mm-hmm. for Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually the way we put it is once a year under, uh, under pain of grave sin, you need to go to confession. But actually speaking, one of the, the, the most incredible developments which happened in the church was moving from the old fashioned penitential regime, you know, of Rome and of continental Europe, um, to what they call auricular confession, which is, um, what the, the Irish monks brought to the continent, mm-hmm. you know, where you have the the confessional, which is meant not so much to provide anonymity as it is a certain measure of privacy right? so that you can have the priest here and, and you can tell them about these things. And because most of us are not candidates for spiritual direction because nobody's going to take us on, right? <laughs> uh, at least we can get some kind of direction if Father's doing his job in the confessional. Right, right. You know? And in that way, we can grow in strength and in grace and in wisdom. 
right. in terms of those things. Should a good confessor, and this is this is kind of just a question that just popped in my head, but uh, should a good confessor kind of help someone through that during confession, like how they can uh, get past that? Or really, is it is it your only job to hear and provide absolution? Well, you know, in German, they call the confessional a Beichtstuhl. It's a chair. And, you know, the old confessionals here at the cathedral in the old days when they were in the chapel downstairs, uh, over the priest door, which was in the center, they had a lovely carving of of Christ um, sitting in judgment. Okay. And basically speaking, the priest in the confessional, he's there to judge right. in in, Christ, in God's place. Sure. You know, he's there to judge and as a result to, to hand out your penance and mm-hmm. to absolve you if he thinks you're— you're worthy of absolution if you're if you're sincere and repentant and mm-hmm. so on and so forth, and that can sound kind of cold, right. but in a lot of ways it's not because it spares you the last judgment if you get yes. it, if you get yes. it right. You know, <laughs> yes. that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So, uh, his primary duty is to judge, okay. but uh, he's also there to accompany and to counsel you, which is the the wisdom of the Irish monks again. So, but you know, you have to be so careful in confession as a as a confessor that you don't spook the poor person on the other side or terrify them, <laughs> or you don't say something stupid. You know, like there's always the thing with anonymous confessions with grade school children, uh, where you say to somebody, "Well, you're a nice little girl, and it's a little boy," and then you're really in trouble because you've messed that is up. Tough with kids, I bet. <laughs> oh, so you're better off if you can kind of remain generic in terms of some of those things. So. What a great child you are, right? <laughs> so, you know, or whatever, you know. But the point is, is that you you don't want to frighten anybody. Right. You don't want to hassle anybody. Uh, and so sometimes you, you err on the side of reservation of silence. Okay. Just because you don't want to spoke them out and you hope they'll come again. And maybe eventually at some point or another, um, you'll be able to face things. Other times, you know, people are ready and they mm-hmm. ask you and and that's good. Yeah. And then you can move on with the thing. And sometimes you can just kind of put in a thought, uh, which will maybe provoke additional yeah. thought on their yeah, part. absolutely. But the point is, is that so many people are so nervous about going to confession. Yes. There's no point in in in, in making life miserable for them. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, <laughs> okay, we have about a minute left. Um, are there any fruits of the, of the Spirit that can help us um, in our quest to stop minimizing sin? All of them can All help. Of them. Okay. All of them can Good. help. I don't. I, I wouldn't say that there's one in particular okay. because it has an awful lot to do with where the root, you know, kind of faults or failings are in a given sure. person. But you know, all of them can kind of work. You know, if if you're living in the grace of the Holy Spirit and and these fruits are born out in your life day in and day out, whether it's goodness, kindness, mildness, gentleness, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they're they all help. Good. They all help. Good. That's good to know. So we should maybe you know, look at those once in a while and make sure we're yeah. living those out, right? Yeah, I always get a kick out of the catechism. You know, they make the point, you know, there's one list is, what is it, seven or nine? And then there's another one with 12. So, <laughs> And then they're both legitimate. Right, go with the 12, right? <laughs> go with the 12. Get some more nice things in yes, there. Yes, yes. Archbishop, I so appreciate you coming in to uh, record with us a couple of times. He's fighting a cold, so he's made it through two episode which is fantastic so um we will be seeing you around and i'm sure we'll have you in again so thanks for coming in thank you you bet if you haven't found us already on social media you can find us at facebook twitter instagram uh, gosh youtube and rumble at sf diocese anytime 
That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic.